thank you for tuning in to the Coaching York podcast. To find out more about who we are, what we do and how we do it, please go to coachingyork.co.uk. That's coachingyork.co.uk. Welcome back to the Coaching York podcast as we continue our conversation with David Britton on the relationship and application of coaching and therapy. If I come on to something else, David, which is so we've, we've been talking about coaching and therapy and how a coach might think about what's going on in the conversation, what's whether a, an issue is how much of an issue that is therapeutic as opposed to just just forward thinking. I think it'd be helpful to think about how coaching and therapy can can combine or work together. Mm-hmm. And particularly if, as a coach, I find myself in a situation where I think I'm facing a therapeutic situation that's beyond my bounds of competence. Uh, and I'll give you an example in a moment. But as a, if you've got any kind of general introductory thoughts to that as, a, as, a, as an issue or a question. There's two separate things. I guess, you know, the question of how coaching and therapy can work in tandem. There are a growing number of practitioners, of whom I'm one, who do explicitly seek to combine them. Um, when I said in the introduction, I, I trained as a therapist, I currently work as a coach. It'd be more accurate in a way. I did. I actually describe myself as a therapeutic coach. I, I do coaching rather than therapy in that I don't work with people who are um, seeking relief from suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in more in the coaching side of things. But I do kind of draw on my therapeutic knowledge and listening and experience in enabling people sometimes to explore some of the more difficult stuff that some coaches um, don't feel, rightly or wrongly, don't feel equipped to work with. Um, I think more and more people are making that journey. What's interesting is that 10 years ago, the traffic was very much from therapy to coaching. And now what we're seeing is an increasing number of coaches who are saying, you know what, this coaching is really good, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like enough and maybe I need to do some therapeutic training. That's definitely a change that's happened in the, over the last 10 years. So I, I think, you know, coaches could really benefit from doing a short course in, in, in say, like a, a, a certificate in counselling or something like that, which wouldn't give them licence to call themselves therapists, but would certainly, you know, expand the compass of what they could do. Um, I mean, I, I run workshops around the idea of enabling coaches to feel more comfortable working with distress because some coaches have an idea that as soon as there's any distress in the space, you know, it's going to be therapy if they start, you know, working with somebody's, you know, somebody's tears, somebody's difficulties. Um, and that's just not the case. But a lot of coaches don't really know exactly how, what to do in that situation. So, you know, some kind of training around both the, the the knowledge and the skills, but also the self-awareness to be able to facilitate just a process where somebody can can work through some difficult emotions so you can get on with the coaching. I think that's really valuable. Um, can you remind me what the second question was? Yeah, the, the question of how coaching and therapy could work together. So, so I'll give an example. Yeah. I'll give you an example of a client I was working with the presenting issue was something that I dealt with a lot, with a lot of people. Um, there was a decision this person needed to make. I've helped people make this kind of decision time and time again. And this individual could not make a decision when it right. physically came to doing the next thing they needed to do. Right. They couldn't do it and would come back, came back twice after two coaching sessions and said, I haven't, basically, I haven't done my homework. 
And at this point, I began thinking, well, I could give you some other interesting idea to pursue, but I'm obviously missing something here. So as we as we talked about it, what we discovered was the decision that this person would need to make was similar to a previous decision, which they'd made and had gone horribly wrong. Okay. And so they were thinking, I don't want it to go horribly wrong again. And there was something about that previous decision, which, to use the word you're using earlier, hadn't been healed. Right. And I thought, well, in, until you kind of heal this, it's like your leg's broken, so you're not going to walk on it because it's just yeah. painful. Yeah. And at that point, I thought, you probably need to talk to somebody else. So saying I was coming to you with that, David, and saying this is my perception of what's going on, what might you say to me as a coach? And if after our conversation I said, well, as a coach, I'm still not happy with taking this forward, what what other avenues would you suggest I could pursue? I, I think it's a really, really interesting example. And the way you describe it, it sounds as if that person needed a space where they could um, work through the unresolved pain the incompleted process of healing otherwise they, it sounds as if they, they, they otherwise what's going to happen is what's sometimes known as rubber banding where you know the person tries to move forward but just keeps pulling back pulling back you know snapping back and that's often a sense of yeah an unresolved wound of some kind so i think a referral to a therapist in that situation looking at something like the bacp the british association for counseling and psychotherapies find a therapist uh, uh, website um there's also the counselling directory. Sometimes it might be helpful to, if you can find them, because there aren't that many around, but people who work as, as supervisors, <coughs> excuse me, who are dual trained coaches and therapists who might be particularly, you know, well-placed to help you in conjunction with your client make the decision about how you move forward. Okay. I mean, it sounds like your client was kind of open to the fact that it was something going on in them. They were happy with the diagnosis. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, we had an agreement on that. David, have you got any examples of where, say, for example, groups or teams of coaches and therapists have worked together? Yeah. I mean, well, the closest thing I've got, I think, is an example of something that happened at York Mind about six years ago now, where they had, it was called a mentoring scheme, but it, but it was coaching. Um, they had volunteer coaches who were just kind of walked in off the street to volunteer their services, who were trained in um, the basics of the recovery philosophy and model of um, working with mental health, which is broadly speaking about recovering into a, a more satisfying and better life rather than necessarily entirely recovering from the mental health problem. And these people worked very successfully with clients at your mind, some of whom had really quite significant and enduring mental health problems. I interviewed both some of the clients and some of the coaches. And I mean, I don't really like diagnostic categories, but I, you know, some of the clients would definitely have had diagnoses of things like schizophrenia or borderline personality disorder. Um, they clearly really benefited from the coaching, or some of them did, not all of them. Um, and I think it was really, it was the focusing on the personal qualities, the values and strengths, the things that were still 
there and available, conveying kind of implicitly and explicitly a sense of hope and a sense of belief in the person's capacity to address their difficulties, to grow as a person, to be a valued and a valuable member of society. Um, because sometimes there can be a kind of negative placebo effect where you assume that somebody's kind of you know, deeply dysfunctional because of mental health problems. And the whole system conveys a sense to the person that they're basically broken. Um, coaching can be a really good antidote to that. Some of these people were accessing therapeutic support alongside the coaching. And the whole service was being held by two very, very capable people who were offering supervision to the coaches and support. So I think, you know, it needed that kind of organisational structure to make it work. It didn't work for everybody. Some people who had really quite sort of entrenched depression just weren't ready to engage in coaching because coaching does require that sense of hope and the assumption of agency and responsibility for the future. Um, so there's a, there was a need for very careful assessment. But it basically, you know, it, some people who would previously never have been thought to be appropriate for coaching clearly benefited from, from this, this way of working. I think I mean, the bit that I absolutely loved from that was that that point around you focusing on the positives that sit there with that person. So for someone who is maybe feeling a bit battered by all of the negatives and where the, um, in some cases just labels are put on them and, yeah. and the focus of those labels is a very negative one. I think the the power of the of the focus on the positive and the, the building of that and seeding of it. Um, I, I absolutely love, really, really do. Yeah, I, I think um, I just want to come back on that because it's, it's triggered a point that I might have made. And, you know, we talk about labels being sticky. Um, but one of the key, um, the academic research shows that one of the key aspects of recovery in mental health is developing an identity that is separate from the illness. Um, and that seems to be one of the ways in which coaching is hugely valuable because it focuses on those aspects of the person that are not defined or are less defined by by whatever their problems they're Space. having. Yeah. So Fiona, having listened to, to David talking about this, if you were then to find yourself in a situation where your antennae are saying there's some therapeutic issue going on here, how do you think you might handle that perhaps in a slightly different way? from a way that you wouldn't necessarily have done had you not had this conversation with David? I think there, there are probably two parts to that. And, and, and one is about how I work with a client about it and the conversation that I would have with my client. And I think the other bit is then actually thinking about um, my support network and how I uh, use my professional network to to help me think about how I'd, how I deal with that and help me, you know, learn in my development as a coach. You know, this is true because I think, yeah, probably I might just pick up the phone to David actually and go, uh. <laughs> um, but, but it's kind of, like, it is a bit sort of joking aside, but it, it, for me, in lots of different aspects of my coaching practice, I, that, that is the approach that I use. There are, there are lots of other coaches that I know who have specialisms in different areas and I do tend to use that and, and we'll have a conversation and, and correspondingly, you know, that, that group of coaches come friends that I've got do the same with me. And, and I, I hugely value that. And um, I suppose it, it, it has been um, 
certainly the benefits I've seen through, through coaching York and where I've built my network of professional coaches there around people that I can reach out to. So be, you know, sort of through any formal supervision process or just through that informal network. Um, I, I I do use that. Um, and, and I think uh, in terms of working with the client and actually just thinking about some of the um, things that David's talked about today in, in how you look at or how you uh, maybe sort of label or identify different types of distress or different you know problems that people bring I think the stuff there about a language which is a very accessible language and something that people can identify with and and, and work through I think is is very useful awful lot more we could we could cover here we are getting towards the end of our time David if you've got coaches listening to this podcast podcast thinking this is an area that I hadn't really thought that much about I'd like to explore further what kind of next steps would you point people to I'll give one really interesting bit of reading that I think would just stimulate people I mean I mentioned the book by Andrew and Carol Buckley which is called a, called a guide to coaching and mental health which I think is, a, is is very good I mean it's about 10 or 12 13 maybe years old now but it's it's, it's, it's good um, I, I think it's interesting. There's a really interesting, um, I say academic paper, but it's pretty accessible. Um, there's a journal called the International Journal of Evidence-Based Coaching and Mentoring, which is which is uh, housed at Oxford Brookes University, um, which is open access online, IJEBCM. Um, and there's a paper by uh, which is called At the Border, Coaching a Client with Dissociative Identity Disorder. And it describes... A situation where somebody with a really quite serious and enduring mental health problem underwent coaching whilst also having ongoing therapy and how well that worked and so so i think that would be a really stimulating piece of reading uh it would just help people to become aware of the all of the issues that are involved and and, and the kind of complexities it's like say it's, it's easily um accessible online um i think look out for some training around Therapeutic skills for coaches. There are various short courses that you can find. Um, I do them. I'm not, I haven't currently got one planned at the moment, but I do do them sometimes. A bit of personal development work around, uh, you know, your own comfort or discomfort with other people's distress and where you learn how you respond to other people's distress. I think could be very valuable. So um, maybe engage as your trained coach, therapist, supervisor, just to see what might be given your your current level of knowledge and expertise what might be available to you because there isn't a kind of one size fits all answer about should i do this or should i shouldn't i do this it depends very much on the individual practitioner all right thank you and we'll put uh, put links to those resources in the notes fenner any further questions thoughts or anything we've missed that you'd like to cover I think there's an interesting point around from a client, a potential client's perspective about um, how to access help and what the route into it might be in terms of, you know, if someone's in a bit of a stuck place and then they're having to think between, oh, do I need to talk to a therapist? Do I need to talk to a coach? I wonder if there are any, is anything, David, from examples of people who've come to you maybe um, where you could share of, of how they've found that routine or what's been helpful to them? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I get inquiries from 
from time to time from people who are uncertain whether they want a therapeutic approach or a coaching approach and i will have a i will offer them a consultation you know i offer kind of a you know free half hour consultation i think the question of what is it you're trying to achieve what is it that you need are you seeking to heal are you seeking an experience that is in some way healing you know and if the answer to that is yes then then you know you probably want to start at least with with a therapist although coaching can be healing check out very carefully what people's qualifications are um get a sense of how people work um trust your instincts don't go with the first person that you um that you talk to i would be wary of people who do not have therapy qualifications who say that they work with you know mental health or difficult stuff um however you however you want to describe it not because some of them might not be very effective and i'm sure that you know they're well-meaning too but there are undoubtedly some people who are offering this stuff who are just out of their depth and don't realize the potential damage that they could do um so yes there is a need for caution undoubtedly i guess my hope is that in the longer run the distinction between therapy and coaching will become a thing of the past and we will uh, you know in a generation's time we'll just have people who are who are trained across the whole spectrum of of knowledge and skills uh, who are able to offer the right thing for each individual person but that's that's a way off um i, I think one thing that for, for, for me that that kind of i i think it's really important there that that you said the first person you speak to is not necessarily the right person for you. Mm. And that's, that's nothing about you and it's nothing about them. Mm. It's about the chemistry that you need to have and, you know, be it a coach or be it a therapist. I think what everybody in that relationship wants is that it's the right thing. And, and I think a good coach or therapist will say if they think then it, it, it doesn't feel right um and and it isn't about them not being a good coach or therapist and it's not about an issue with a client you, you know with the, with, the, with the client not being able to work with someone it's just the importance of that chemistry isn't it to get it working yeah i think yeah absolutely and and what you're saying that made me think that you know i was going to say trust your instincts and that's that's not because they're always reliable, but I think it's better to err on the side of caution. You know, you might actually have a, 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 you know, a misplaced bad instinct about a particular person that isn't actually about them at all. And if you have a bad instinct about everybody, then clearly it's probably more about you than them. But, but I think there is something about erring on the side of caution. If something says, I'm just not sure about this person, then, you know, you're under no obligation to them at all. If somebody's offered you... Um, you know a consultation a free consultation or whatever there can sometimes be a sense of obligation even if that's not going on fully consciously you're under no obligation yes so so thank you david a really really interesting conversation um certainly i think i've found a lot of food for thought within it and, and things to reflect on thank you everyone for uh, for listening and for joining us thank you and look forward to speaking to you again